Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples, the podcast that explores discipleship and faith, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And in today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing a friend of mine, Luke White, pastor at Temple Way Church. And he's a fab guy, I love spending time with him, and I know you're going to enjoy this interview. We're going to be talking a little bit uh, just around how do we survive and thrive uh, in this season when uh, faith is just really hard when you're in lockdown. So how do we stay spiritually strong during a pandemic? Pastor Luke White, welcome yes. to Making Disciples. How are you doing today? I am excellent. Thank you so much for having me. It's just great to connect. It's good, my friend. Um, so I don't know if I've, I said this to you when I spoke to you previously, but the first time that I came across you was mm-hmm. online and yeah. you were causing quite a ruckus. You were saying <laughs> some some stuff that was winding people up and I loved it. I was like, I'm meant to everything you were saying. And I thought, I like this man. You, you, you do you. love stirring stuff up in a, in, a, in a prophetic Jesus kind of way, don't you? Mm-hmm. yeah i try where, where, <laughs> I does, try, yeah. where does that come from in you like what, what where is that where's that found so I, I i say this a lot to people i think basically i was i'm very fortunate i believe to have like two parents who are who are similar but very different one my father is i think a contrarian by by nature so um he, we me and him or he and i debate everything right we have like and he has alternative views on most topics you could think of like it it doesn't matter the topic he'll have some alternative view on it sometimes I think it's just intentionally but so so I've grown up with that and I've seen that even in the church context of the debates and stuff he would be involved in in church so I've grown up with that on the other hand I've got my mother who is who was equally as opinionated um, but much more agreeable in the sense of um, she doesn't necessarily divide opinions so much, right? Um, but she still is very strong in her views and her opinions. And they're both very confident and very, very self-assured in themselves. So growing up with that, and, and then both of them kind of really, really loving me and me knowing completely that they love me mm. meant that I don't need to to feel as though I need so much validation from outside. Which means that when I have something to say that I know is going to potentially um, not have the agreement of the masses, it doesn't matter because my self-esteem um, is separated from what people say about me or feel about me online because I've got such a solid foundation of love anyway. If push comes to shove, I'll go to my mom and dad and they'll be like, yes, Luke, you're amazing and I'll be fine. So um, I think that's really the root of it, just having that solid, solid base of unconditional love really has means that I'm able to um yeah to see say things that could potentially be cause conversation and not be crushed when people are opposed to what I have to say. Mm. I think that that's to There's be honest in a nutshell that is I would foundation. say you've got, you've got a prophetic edge. I appreciate that. <laughs> There's a prophetic edge. And uh we were talking just before we start recording just about you know sense of the prophetic. Uh, you definitely have a prophetic edge, but that prophetic edge comes with a deep revelation of Jesus and mm. a deep love for people. It's not a prophetic edge that comes from irritation, 
but yes. love for people. And I think that's really, yeah. that's where that comes from. Dude, I, 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 I want us to talk about our faith in context of the soil that we're in at the moment. Um, 2020 has never not been the year none of us expected. It is the yes. year that we got. I think it's two things. I think there's two things God has done. He's brought us um, to a point where we're liberated from buildings. Yes. Church and homes, online, all of that stuff. Liberated us from buildings. Yes. And secondly, he's brought us to a desert. So there's been blessing. Yes. And there's yeah. been the desert. And uh, so some people who focused on the blessing of being like, God's liberated us. We've got mission. We're on the streets. We're doing stuff, running food mm-hmm. banks. We're online. We're engaging with people where they're at. We're in the marketplace. Then you've got the others who are, oh, my gosh, we're in a wilderness period. God is distant. Where is the Lord? So I just want to ask you, you know, the yeah. pandemic has taken a lot out of us. How, yeah. how do we stay spiritually strong? during a pandemic like this what are you teaching your guys yeah i think that um yeah great question one of the things that i think has really helped us as a kind of a small community um has been using the space to really talk about what is going on right um because i think sometimes you know our the places where we talk about faith can become separated a lot from the everyday life and i think that because of everything that's happening it, it seems kind of obvious that you you would talk about what we're all going through but even in online spaces it can be tempting to still talk about things that don't necessarily speak to the moment that we're in so i think it's been important to talk about things like black lives matter to talk about the conspiracy theories to talk about um covid to talk about um the disproportionate effect um the disproportionate treatment that minorities have received in the in the in the healthcare system versus others like it's important to talk about those things because spirituality that doesn't really speak into reality look reality is part of spirit you, you can you can it should be part of spirituality right and if it's separated, I think that's where something weird happens, right? And so I think in our spiritual spaces, it's important to bring to to bridge the two and and to talk about that. So for us, that's been important. Actually, talking about these things, naming these things, saying this is racist, mm. saying this is conspiracy, calling those things out as what they are in the spaces that are faith spaces are important. Um, so that's been one of the first ways that that we've that we've we've dealt with it. Um, and then also just yeah, continuing to connect, right? I know connecting virtually doesn't feel the same. I know text messages and, and calling doesn't feel the same, but of course it's more important now than than ever because before we could kind of move our connection to to the weekend service, right? So we could move that moment of we can we can bear it through the week because we can move that connection to the weekend and so with that being removed um or in the usual sense it's mm. been essential to, to keep that communication kind of alive to keep that connection going as, as as much as is possible um and then i guess the more kind of esoteric or the more kind of the more theoretical side of, you know, what does it mean to have, be a church with no building? And, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? Like, th- those are, like, interesting kind of um, intellectual pursuits, but they they don't really satisfy when you're mm. feeling lonely, right? And so that's why the, the ensuring that we do stay connected, though it be virtually, I, I still think has been important. And I think if, if many people are honest, they have 
well, especially in our small group, we have learned more about each other in this time than we have done in the last four years of some of us meeting together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so so socially distant isn't even the real term. It's really physically distant. We've been physically distant, but socially very near to one another at this time. Mm. I love that. Um, you know, one of the key things, you know, for anyone listening to this, if they're disconnected in this season from their local church, this is the perfect time to reconnect. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, I often say heaven's strategy for our lives is a relationship. Hell's strategy mm-hmm. is division. And uh, I do know a lot of people who have um, chosen to disconnect because oh, I don't like the online stuff. It's not for me. But by doing that, I've really cut themselves off uh, from being a part of that community. Uh, and I think it's revealed something of the consumer nature. I'm in this community while it's working for me, but while it's not, I'm disconnecting. And I'll be back at some later point when it reconnects with me again. You know, the message is, isn't it, to anyone listening, reconnect. Uh, yeah. Being a part of a faith community is not about you. It's about us. Mm-hmm. And our mm-hmm. communities can't be community if we're not all kind of leaning in to that. We just talk about fear for a moment, because I think one of the things that's been very evident is, is just levels of fear. Uh, how do we make sure that we are being led by fear in this season? Um, you know, this whole uh, thing around... Um, uh, many churches are reopening, but half the congregations are not coming back because of fear. Uh, you know, how do we respond to fear? What's the, what's the godly way of responding to fear? Yeah. So um, it's interesting. So one of the, the kind of narrative we've been looking at with our group is the story of the Exodus. And um, we've kind of been going through it chapter by chapter. We're on, well, verse by verse sometimes. And um, one of the interesting things that you see at the beginning of the Exodus is um, the reason why the children of Israel became um, enslaved was because of fear, right? The, the, the Egyptians feared um, that, the, that the Israelites were going, their nation was going to become greater than the Egyptians. And then once it became greater, it was going to turn on Egypt and partner with their enemies to overthrow Egypt. Mm. So because they were scared, it led them to, to, to oppress so I think one of the ways is to really help people to identify, are you acting out of fear or not? Well, here are some ways. One, are you oppressing others or even are you oppressing yourself, right? Are you, are you by withdrawing yourself away from community, you are actually, you're your own captor, really. You're enslaving yourself. And so I think identifying and just pointing out some of those things, like, like is are you acting out of fear? Is this... Um, are you enslaving yourself? Are you cutting off yourself from others? Are you um, are you withdrawing? Are you encouraging others to withdraw? Are you um, are you yeah? Are you it, it, are your actions motivated from that place? And I think looking sometimes, as I say, like using the biblical narrative helps because it's detract it's detracted from oneself. So when you can see how mm. other people are acting in fear, and we can all identify that then it becomes a bit easier to say, well, actually, that looks similar in my context or that looks similar in the way I'm, I'm behaving. And so um, I just think, yeah, it's, as with most things, it starts with identifying, like awareness, becoming aware of how am I, how am I what is motivating my behaviour? Um, why am I making these decisions? Is it, 
if it's the latest intelligence, if it's what the government is saying, if it's, you know, those type of things, then it's, it's easier to maybe hang your hook on that. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you're, and, and, and usually a good sign of this is when you ask someone, okay, well, where's that coming from? They'll usually get quite defensive. Um, and that's when you know, and they will, even if they don't admit it then, they will realise that they are actually acting from that place, right? Because if they say, well, Boris Johnson came on the TV and said, you know, the R rate is above one, so this is why I'm doing this. That's something different. That's fine. Okay, fair enough. That that has some some basis. Or you say, well, you know, but if you just say, well, you know, I don't know, it's just, this is just the right thing to do. <laughs> then you realise, okay, no, you just... It's irrational or, or rational fear sometimes mm. of, of the situation. So I think, yeah, just becoming aware and having conversations of, yeah, what are the motivators um, is really, really important. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of irrational stuff going around, isn't there? So uh, on one hand, you've got those, you know, are, are very worried, very anxious, but it drifts from um, a sensible fear into this irrational fear where you can't even leave your front door. Then at the other end of the scale, you've got this irrational, hyperactive safety. Um, you know, th- there's nothing to fear at all. And yeah. uh, living as if there's absolutely no, no, no need to worry. Uh, you know, it's interesting how we respond to yeah. uh, problems, isn't it? And I think the last six months have taught us a lot really about how we respond to anxiety some of us ignore some of us get pulled into that anxiety and get pulled in further and further and further till the fact that we're overwhelmed yeah and what are you saying to your guys uh who are feeling that pull towards anxiety Mm -hmm. so um it's interesting because my mother actually um contracted covid19 um i don't know if i shared it with you actually um, and um, so early on, so in March, like kind of as things were peaking and she was she was on a ventilator for about nearly three weeks. Wow. Um, and like it was, you know, calling up every day. I mean, they changed her hospitals without telling us, not being able to get hold of her. Like it was a real kind of crazy time for the family. Um, and so we've seen if anyone can be anxious and, and realizes the reality of the situation, like myself and my family can definitely understand um, understand it. And so I think that's helped our community. Like I'm not speaking from any place of, because it was interesting. Um, I Before it was all the churches had decided to not meet, um, like literally just the, the weekend before it came out, I had actually said to the community, we're not going to meet. Um, my mum hadn't been diagnosed yet, but she was in hospital. And I just felt that why would I put the community at risk? And at first, because nothing had come out officially, everyone was kind of like, oh, Luke's being a bit dramatic. But obviously, as things rolled out and things mm. panned out, they were like, okay, cool, this is this is the right thing. So um, I think um, we, uh, and going through this process as a community together, from meeting and my mum's not there and everyone know what's going on, to her coming back and being stronger than ever, that has kind of been a testament in a lot of ways to a couple of things. One, um, it's real Mm. like like take this seriously um that has been that has been i haven't needed to say that because we've all seen it it is real my mum wasn't there and may not have come back and she has um you know to the testament to you know god's goodness and god's grace um the testament to the hard work of the the nurses and the nhs um 
but 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 her thankfulness and gratefulness to God, they've seen that. Um, and so it's, it's a real balance that we've seen that the fear is real. So take it seriously. This is a real thing. But um, also there's a way through because throughout it all, I was still in communication with them. We were still connecting. Life went on. Right. Mm. And so for those who who were anxious, I guess the, the message is, well, well, yeah, there is rational fear. Like this is a real thing. We know that. Um, but also just take the, the precautions, take the necessary precautions. Um, and that's not going to guarantee you're not going to contract it. That's not guarantee your loved ones are not going to contract it or, or, or things happen. Mm. But um, when we, we are going to take measures that are rational based on the situation, that's not being led by fear. That's being led by the reality mm. of things. Right. And I think that's just an, an important... I, I saw someone write online, people are always writing interesting things. And over the last kind of month or so, I've been more in a listening position than a talking, which has been quite cool, um, just to see what people are saying. And it's like some people saying that I'm not... I, you know, I get into a car. I think someone said, I put on my seatbelt in a car, um, not, because I'm, not because I'm fearful of crashing. I'm not scared of crashing. But, you know, if I crash, it would help if I have a seatbelt on, right? It's just... It's one of those things like you're not you're not scared of the road because you put on a seatbelt, and neither are you scared if you choose to adhere to two meters, or neither are you acting out of fear because you wear a mask, or neither are you acting out of fear if you choose to adhere to the, the smaller gatherings, or if you choose to keep your child at home. Like these are not irrational fears; these are measured decisions taken as a result of the situation. I think um, that's good. A measured decision. I think that's really helpful because uh, many people who aren't taking measured decisions. Uh, mm -hmm. Some others are looking at them and saying, you're just living out of fear, which is kind of yeah. what I wanted to lean into, because on one hand, you can have this irrational fear beyond the measured decision. But on the other hand, you can have uh, a faith that is yeah. drifted into more of a superstitious, false confidence, hyperactive faith. Jesus has washed me in the blood and I'm, per you know, he's no, you know, I'm not going to get COVID. He's protected me. And it's, it's, it's more superstition than it is based upon a biblical understanding of what it means to be a disciple of, of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. You know, what are you? We're all meeting people like this. Um, mm -hmm. And I absolutely adore their passion for Jesus. Uh, mm -hmm. Struggle with this superstition that's drifted in. That's yeah. wrapped up and looks very religious and they can argue it's religious, but actually it really is based upon superstition. What are you yeah. saying to people like that in love? How are you responding? Mm -hmm. So, um, again, it's so much easier to deal with kind of an exterior story to bring the point home. And that's why I think, you know, sticking to the Bible and sharing print stories from the Bible is helpful because did everyone who believed in God have a great time in the Bible? Did everyone who believed in God, nothing bad happened to them? I mean, I know Job is an extreme example, but... Job is still an example, right? Mm. And so I think just drawing reference to those things again, like being a follower of Jesus does not mean that your life will be fantastic. It does not mean that you will not be touched by um, negative things, by disaster, by loss, um, by death, by sickness. Like none of the, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that. And I think just that reminder to people is is so important. Now, if you're telling me, if someone comes to me and says to me, like, look, you know, God has told me that I am not going to contract COVID, like I'm completely safe. So I'm going to go and volunteer and work with the NHS amongst those who are the most sick 
because I know that God's going to keep me safe. I'll be like, cool, fine, you go for it. But you're not going to give, you're not going to put people at risk around me that I'm in that I'm in control of based on what God's revealed for you because God hasn't revealed that to the rest of us, right? Mm. So, so, and I think that that's the thing. Like, why would, like, God hasn't told you that He's going to protect me. God's told you He's going to. If God has told you this, and I'm not going to argue if God has told you something or not, fine. But but God hasn't promised you that same that same assurance for for the rest of us here, or at least the rest of us here aren't saying that God's told us that. So no, I wouldn't allow someone's uh, superstition or someone's what they would term as their deep rooted faith. I wouldn't allow that to um, put others at at risk, to to be honest with you. Um, And again, it can be a tricky balance, but I think Mm. I think for me, it, again, based as you know, I don't mind saying things and and, and people thinking whatever. Um, that that just wouldn't be happening. I would not be putting other people at risk for the sake of, in some what I think is a deluded sense of we can do anything and God will just protect us. That that to me is 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 very strange thinking and something that I wouldn't endorse myself. Mm. Right? A video again on Instagram which I loved a few months ago. <laughs> when um, it was a predominantly black church and a, a black minister was speaking and he, he was saying something um, about, you know, I keep on getting questions. I keep on getting asked. When are we coming back to church? When are, when are we going to meet again, pastor? Like, when are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? And he goes on to say, when the, when the, when, because um, this is during more in the lockdown, um, he's like, you know, when, when the, when the politicians are back in the White House, when everyone's back here, when, when everyone's back at school, when everything's back to normal, then we'll be going back, right? And it was this sense of like, yeah, like common sense and logic are not opposed to faith. Neither is science. Science is not opposed to faith. Like this binary thing that we love to do as humans is just not true, right? And I've seen this more highlighted, a slight side note, but I've seen it highlighted with the conversations I'm having recently, even about race, right? Because when you really break race down, as far as I'm concerned, there is only one race. And so we've been tricked into this mentality that there is a different race. No, Chris is just, has a lighter shade of brown than I do, to the fact, to the point where you may even assume that he's not brown. But as we are all of African descent, Chris is as much as African descent as I am. And this is this is what people don't really like to hear, but this is the truth, right? This is the truth. And this binary way that 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 humans want to see life, it doesn't exist. So to get back mm. to your question, logic and faith are not opposed. And people who want to do that, they think that the more, so they put it on a scale, they put faith here and logic, sorry, I'm indicating they can't see me. I put faith on the right, logic on the left, and the more faith you have, pulls you away from logic that's not true that's just not accurate right i'm just going i'm just going preach it preach it because yes yeah it's just like it's 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 not true and i think when you when you have that idea and when you're also constantly looking out for um the government to be tricking you and for all of these other places to be tricking you it puts you in a weird place as well because it makes you hunker down in your in your more strange and alternative viewpoint because the more strange it is you think the more god it is mm. so you, you associate strange or, or weird and wacky with god so the weirder and wacky it is the more god it is how dangerous is that love it hey <laughs> uh, we're about to run out of time but 
I wasn't going to ask you anything around this, but I think you've just touched on it in terms of um, uh, around the Black Lives Matter. For me, there was something really amazing happening in lockdown. I feel like because everybody was locked down, uh, there were certain things that it was almost like the Lord brought to the attention of people who had been forced to stop. And it's yes. no way had those things not been there in 2019. Of course. Because they forced us to be on our sofa. Yeah. It was almost like the light bulbs came on brighter. Agreed. And I think, you know, within my own denomination, we are having some awesome conversations about diversity around age, ethnicity, economic diversity. There's a real excitement over how is God going to make this white middle class leadership the mm -hmm. fullness of the people of God. And in fact, you mentioned Exodus earlier. And I love it at the yeah. beginning of Exodus when God leads people from uh, Egypt to the promised land. And it says when they left, they were uh, an era rav, uh, a mixed multitude, the NIV says, and other translations say a motley crew or a riffraff. Like I love that the people of God is a riffraff. It's a motley crew. It's a whole diverse. Um, what do you sense the Lord saying to the church right now around diversity? Is there something particular that you're like, the Lord is really banging something here. And if the church doesn't hear it, you're fools. Well, this is what I kind of I've alluded to. And this is what I really think he's saying is that this idea of us being one race of him creating one race. And if we can demonstrate that message, because the church is such a unique um um, entity, right? In its true form, it's the body of Christ, right? This is what the church is. And it's it's uniquely positioned in such a way to speak something into this. And this is what's been the saddest thing for me, whether it's COVID or whether it's Black Lives Matter. I feel like the church has been silent. That's how mm. I honestly feel. I feel like the church has been really silent and, and we've gone into a place of of, of of preservation. So it's like, okay, yes, the Church of England has apologized for its history in, in in with racism, things like that. But again, that's looking back, which we have to do at times, but that's not a future perspective. Mm. Um, and, and, and some people have had the conversation, but really saying, okay, this entity is the body of Christ. And look what you said, we are we are demonstrating that we are one race. And so I think they need we need to speak to that conversation. Go back to mm. Genesis. Let's preach Genesis. Like Genesis, God created one race, man and woman. That's it. That's what he created. There's no... It, 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 there's, so, mm. so this idea of, of shade and colour and race is a false construct. I have a member of my team who's who's mixed race. And we were, we were talking just this morning about this idea of actually she's not mixed race, she's dual heritage, right? That's a more helpful term yes. because race is not real. It's not real, right? There is a prejudice that has happened to people with more melanin in their skin. That's a fact. That's not, but that's mm. not race. Let's not call it race. It's just a prejudice that has happened towards people with darker skin to so that so that those people once you diminish them and make them seem like less than human based on their skin tone, then we can do certain things to them that we shouldn't really do to humans. Mm. Yes, that has definitely happened, but that's not a race issue because there's only one race. 
it's a prejudice towards really people of African descent, right? Mm. Which is a different thing to talking about race. So it's a complex conversation, um, but I think that's really a message that the church, I think, could lead the way on. And they'll get so much stick for it, and I'm, I'm sure I will get so much stick for it as I learn and bumble my way through this. But it's really come to a head with this conversation with this, with this dual heritage um, young lady on my team, because the fact of the matter is, she's like, well, I don't, I'm not black. And I'm not white. And I'm like, so so what am I? And I'm like, well, that's true. Yeah. When you make these binary choices, it then leaves some people feeling like, well, what am I? How can you you should never have to feel what you are because we're all humans. And this is this is and so this is the, the thing. So yes, there is mm, a real prejudice great. that happens. Yeah, there is a real prejudice that happens to darker toned people. And but this is the thing, Chris, it happens in every society. So even with even in societies which we would deem as um white potentially there is still you still there's still sometimes the preservation to not get too dark or to not look too dark mm. you know um, and even within you know caribbean context or african context sometimes there's that 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 desire to want to look more lighter skin than, than darker skin because we all know that this prejudice really does exist but it's not race it's just a prejudice mm. towards towards tone skin tone so yeah so i would love the so good kind of conversation to be honest with you yeah so good so good um and we could talk more about that for hours because i think it's for me i preached on sunday and i think for me the next 10 years are a, a decisive moment for the future of the church if we don't get uh, the, the diversity stuff sorted and uh systemic things that are stopping diversity coming through then look, let's just put a nail in the coffin of the church. Let's just get done with it because it's it, it, if we don't get it now, we're just going to be messing about for another hundred years. And we haven't got, you know, the, the world is looking at the church laughing at us. Um, and, you know, we haven't got time. But right, okay, let, well, actually, last question before we go. Yeah, fine. Dude, uh, lockdown's been hard. Yeah. Uh, we're exhausted. Yeah. How does a listener get their mojo back? We're now approaching Christmas. You know, what is your message to somebody who just wants to get their Jesus mojo back? What would be your tip or your like, think about this or head in this direction? Try doing something like this. So I'd, it starts, please connect with someone, even if it's just one person. Please just find someone who is willing to connect with you and talk to you about the things that really matter, right? Whether that's faith, whether that's purpose, whether that's your own journey, um, whether that's what you're going to do next of your life, please find someone to connect with who you can trust, who can hold you accountable and who you can hold accountable and begin to have that conversation just begin about what life is and if it is appropriate which you know it usually is like talk about faith talk about god talk ask the question what do we think god is doing in this time what has god said to you is god saying anything to you why is god so distant like just mm. finding an individual to connect with and to talk with is going to be important because when you're left to your own devices and relying on on Facebook to, to give you truth or on Instagram to give you the answers, um, you're going to be left more lost than when you started. Mm -hmm. So I think finding someone to, to connect with and just to kind of really 
process and deal with this stuff with is very, very, very important. I, I can't really stress that enough. And then also just um, live, I think living, having a vision for the future, for yourself and for your family, or if it's just for yourself, for yourself um, is important as well. Because one of the things that's happening through this time is we're getting hunkered down in like day to day, headline by headline mm. kind of tweet by tweet and so it's keeping us very in the moment and it's keeping us very kind of stressed out in whatever the latest thing to be stressed out is so I think having a wider vision remembering even before this happened what was the dreams you had for your life what was the dreams that God had given to your heart what's the purpose God had given you reminding yourself of that bigger picture just brings you out of this because I believe we will come through this I believe this is just the latest phase of human of, of life and I think we will come through mm. this I don't think the end and so reminding ourselves and keeping that in mind just helps us not to be thinking and feeling in finalistic terms every day but actually getting up and reminding ourselves that we've got other we've got things to hope for we've got things to dream about we've got things to aim for I think those things are really important yeah mate heaven's strategy for our lives it's relationship and it's in relationship we get a vision for the future isn't it there's hope for the future uh, anybody wanting to connect with you how can they do that where can okay, they find so, you um, yeah so i guess the best places are um just yeah luke l-u-k-e-c-r-w-h-y-t-e on instagram and facebook i guess are the best two places um or you can shoot me an email luke at lukewhite.com all spelled out mm. um yeah, no, I'm, I'm always around, man. I'm always around. <laughs> Mate, so good. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you and all your oh, wisdom. Thanks a lot, Chris. I really appreciate what you're doing. Keep it up. And I appreciate seeing a fellow believer just using this time during lockdown to, to give hope to people and to connect. It's really, really important. So thank you for all that you're doing and continue to do it, man. I'm always here to help. It's a pleasure, my friend. Grace and peace. Peace. <laughs>